0: What's your June year's resolution?
1: Is that a thing?
0: It's it's a thing I just made up, and I'm I'm gonna try to stick to it because like the the trend as we've seen has kind of been that every every month, well first it started out with every month feeling like a year, and then every year, feeling like a wait, every week feeling like a year, and then it just kind of spirals from there. So. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to try to make June year... June hyphen years a thing.
1: Have you trademarked that yet, or...?
0: Um, I don't I don't know. This, this is like a, a John Oliver UFC thing, so I don't know. But I don't know how you'd really file something with the USPTO.
1: I think you're thinking of the marble races.
0: Are you... Did I get you into John Oliver, or did you just watch that one episode?
1: I happen to... See that one clip. I don't recall if if you sent that to me or if someone else did.
0: Well, there was one that was it was an episode that was related to basically how sports will be um, impacted by coronavirus, and and we'll we'll get to that. But that that ended up being like the, HBO is very liberal with what uh the amount that they will post on YouTube of some shows that they want to get buzz or are more current event and uh, like timeliness related. Anyway, oh, so my, my June year's resolution is to talk more slowly on this show. I have it written down on a sticky note here, and I assume it's going to last all of three minutes, but I think I'm doing great so far. I accidentally listened to a part of our show, and in my uh, unplayed A-list podcast, Pocket Casts playlist, and uh, Fast Talker.
1: I have to admit, we've done 234 of these now. This is our 235th episode.
0: Ooh, the big 235.
1: Right. Not once during that time have I ever thought that you were speaking too quickly. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that says about me or oh, about you. Have you have fast ears. Thank you. I guess that's a compliment. I
0: thought that was pretty clever. I'm, I'm giving myself a pat on the back. If, but then I think that would accelerate my heart rate and I would talk faster.
1: <laughs> Is that <laughs> in the show notes or the show titles list? What's that? Fast ears.
0: You didn't, you didn't hear my keyboard. I'm not like Merlin. You can't hear every time I, t- I start typing.
1: There was a period of time where I could really hear your mouse clicks. I feel like that's gotten better over time. I don't know what you've done, but. Yeah, there it is. I don't know oh, if that's going definitely... to come oh, through, but... oh, no.
0: I accidentally deleted the bunny from the garden. <laughs> 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 um, There's oh, another one. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll see. I basically, like, I mean, I'm finding that whenever I speak extemporaneously, I will. I, I tend to talk a bit like a New Yorker, and I don't really care for that association. Hmm. Because I, I have I have more interesting things to say than a New Yorker. New Yorkers talk quickly, but about stuff that doesn't actually matter. Wow. Send your angry letters to tcook at apple.com. <laughs> he, he answers his email on an iPad, so you know he's getting stuff done, so he can handle the extra extra email.
1: Well, a computer. <laughs>
0: oh, well, you know, a computer might still be around. Who knows? All right, let's look at the docket. So do you want to talk about baseball or uh, cooling appliances first?
1: I mean, I think what everybody's really come here for is the cooling <laughs> appliance conversation. So I think that's what we should start with. Mm-hmm. So we, I think last week, it's hard to keep track of anymore, talked about how we were in the market for a portable air conditioner on, on account that it's been very, very warm lately. And, you know, our, our go-to source for this kind of stuff, the wire cutter, they have a pick, um, that pick is evidently only available on Home Depot and Amazon from what I can tell. And I've, I've never actually seen it in stock on Amazon. So Home Depot seems to be the only place to like potentially get it, but it's been basically sold out at least everywhere around us for, for a while. but. In the last week we've both been able to to find one. And we are we are now both in um possession of the of the wire cutter's portable air conditioner pick, which um I'm kind of I'm stalling here because I don't recall the It is exact the LG
0: one four one nine I V S M something 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 and deluxe it, edition.
1: And I should have remembered that because when I went to Home Depot the other morning to pick this thing up, I checked about eighteen times to make sure that I was picking up the correct one because there were at least there was at least one other LG model with basically exactly the same box, but it was a, a different model number. So, well, yeah,
0: because you can't buy the LG LP1417GSR. That's that's the sucker's model. Mm-hmm. You'd be a rube to get that. That'd be like buying a. Um... The, the P60 of a Tesla. <laughs> Nobody buys that one. Um, yeah, so uh, a couple things with that. So first, so I, I think I was the, uh, the, the bad influence seed on this because I, I had thrown it into the thing and I think that yeah, maybe um, germinated whatever was rolling around in your head about it being very warm and it being uh, maybe a worthwhile investment. But also it's been one of those things where it feels like, Highly potentially not worth it just because like, as we mentioned on last week's show, not super efficient also. And we'll get into it even though this is one of the quieter models that's available. Still the, the box said, uh, the same, uh, on low, same, uh, like decibel level as a library. Uh, take it from me. I love libraries. This is noisier than a library. um, but yeah, but the so I I think I was I was the seed for this. But overall I think it was a worthwhile thing. And my my strategy is that should it not if it ends up being like a fool's errand and where like maybe I get my next electricity bill and it's like $8,000 <laughs> or uh cuz I don't I don't know what BTUs converts to in cuz elect- I know during the winter months where I maybe cuz like my apartment has like a built-in heating thing and I also have a um combination Dyson air fan and like room space heater thing. And whenever I'm running those consistently in the cold winter months, because that's that's kind of the thing where marin gas it's pretty cold, gets pretty chilly and also gets gets warmer where it's not like a Berkeley or a San Francisco where it's much more mild. Is that the term? Sure. Yeah, a few fewer um climate extremes. But yeah, so I'm I'm nervous about the energy consumption but overall i think like i this one something where if in october it's just not worth it i'd be very happy to sell it for half price or maybe a little less and just be be over with it because i don't have the storage space to have it exist here all the time unless it's very useful
1: so with the energy use question about the only nice thing i'll ever say about pg e who we might be talking about more a little bit later in this program.
0: You mean my alarm clock provider?
1: <laughs> you would, we, again, we might get to that. They do have pretty good uh, reporting that you can look at when you log um, into their website. Like You can actually look at your energy consumption down to the hour. So if you kind of keep track of which hours your are Running this thing, you can start to get a an idea of how much energy it's using.
0: Well, I I think with that, it's more of like it's not really when to optimally use it, just because um, it's going to use it when it's hot. No, but no, no. Like, I, but I
1: mean, I just literally like no. It, it, putting aside those considerations, just literally like when you use it when you want to, like how much is that costing you?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. PG and E has a very um. It's, it's a very, uh, five thirty eight friendly website. There's a whole lot of data in here. Right. Um, but yeah, more, more so I just kind of like how much extra is this going to add to, to an energy bill in general to see, is it worth it when you couple with the fact that like, again, efficiency and effectiveness is since I'm cooling, not a huge space, but kind of not like just a single room where, I don't know, we'll see. It, it is too early to tell. I've only used it on two days in a meaningful way and we might get to that but yeah let me let me know about because i got mine through home depot in-store pickup and i actually broadened my search radius to include um park which is kind of the edge of the bay area equivalent of like the tri-city or like chicagoland area so I, i i went out of my way for this but i know you were also like hawking the uh Home Depot website, and where would you end up getting yours? And what was the more were the circumstances?
1: So I got mine from our local store in Santa hmm and so on the website you can see the the alleged stock at various stores, and if they identify that they have like a certain number in stock, you can purchase one online, and then you know do the whole like in store, or I think even now like curbside pickup thing. But in San Fe, they had the nebulous limited stock label. And that's, it's been that way for, for quite some time, basically ever since I started checking it a week or two ago. And I actually asked you about that over the weekend, if you knew um, what that kind of usually meant. And it turns out that you had actually asked an associate about that when you were looking for one and, and what did they say basically it means they don't have it
0: they said like that either usually means it's the demo somebody already has it in their cart or it might be stolen but it usually means they're down to like one or two where it would be too, it would, like it would lead to like immediate canceled orders if they just said yeah that's available for sure on the website
1: so it, it was that way still on sunday but it just so happened that the lady friend's dad was going to to Home Depot for something unrelated, and so I sent him a link and gave him the model number, and, and just said, like, "Hey, like you know no need to like really go out of your way, but like if you happen to um see this thing, you know if, if you could if you could pick one up, that would be much appreciated."
0: I do appreciate the relationship where you can just casually suggest somebody pick up a seven hundred dollar item for you <laughs> on a whim
1: well i mean not not to not to pay for the item but just to just to pick it up for us and so um he was nice enough to to look for it and confirmed that they actually had it at the at the time on Sunday afternoon. they actually had four of them, ooh, so the limited stock. Indication hmm. turns out not very reliable because, well, we'll we'll get we'll get to the 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 next part of the story here in a second. So on Sunday afternoon, when when he was there, as you can imagine, Home Depot being on a Sunday afternoon, it was very busy and the line of check out was crazy long. So he ended up, you know, not being able to buy it. Actually, didn't even buy what he went there for. But he at least told me, you know, hey, I saw them that you know they have them in stock, and he told he told me exactly where they were. Which, thank goodness, he did because they were in a completely unobvious location.
0: Were they in that kind of like front corral area where they have usually have like the inflatable <laughs> Santas?
1: Uh, in that location, but you turn right instead of left at the entrance. But yeah, it, it basically just like in a pile of boxes at the front of the store. Gotcha. Um, so so I, I, wake, I wake up early Monday morning, wake up at 6.30 on Monday morning and check the Home Depot app. So San Rafael still says limited stock, but then there are a handful of other Bay Area stores, including one of the Oakland locations that um, actually had like seven of them in stock. Um, and then there were other stores that had like one or two, two or three that they had in stock and at any location that gave a specific number like that it gave me the option to do the whole um in-store or curbside pickup thing but you know we were gonna, we were gonna have a couple of hot days this week and you know i wouldn't really be able to go to the east bay until probably the weekend so i thought well you know i'm i'm, st- I'm just gonna chance it and Go to the the Santa Fall store, so I went, was there by about seven, and sure enough, they still had two in stock, so I picked one up, and I was on my way.
0: Uh, go, go ahead, point of order. Uh, you picked one up like on your own. It was quite heavy.
1: Well, so there's two things. one is well, actually there's three things, so <laughs> number one, yes it's it's quite heavy. Number two, I mentioned that it it was in this front part of the store, just in the midst of a bunch of other boxes. Mm -hmm. Of course, this one was like basically in the middle of a bunch of other boxes. So Mm -hmm. I had to move a handful of other things out of the way in order to actually get to this thing.
0: So it's like a Parks and Rec Harvest uh, harvest (laughs) Festival maze?
1: Exactly. Okay. So... I, f- I figure that part out. I get it onto one of those flatbed cart things, check out. What I totally did not think of before I went was how big the box would be. It didn't
0: fit in your car, did it?
1: So the, the lady friend has a, an SUV. Uh-huh. And I did not even for a moment think to take that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I just, <laughs> just topped in my car and went. Didn't fit in my trunk. <laughs> the the opening to the trunk on the Model 3 was supposed too small, would not fit in the passenger side seat because the seat wouldn't go back far enough. It just barely, barely fit. I mean, we're if, if we're talking if the box was, you know, a quarter inch longer in any direction, it would not have fit. Fit through the passenger side door and, and fit on the, um, the, the, the rear seat. So So
0: can, can I offer a parallel story? Sure. So with this, so I did, I did the, the in-store pickup on, I think this was last Tuesday. And so they had put it, somebody had put it in, not on one of those little flatbed things, which makes more sense. They had just put it like in a shopping cart, like a traditional (laughs) one. And then they're like, cool, you're good to go, show your ID, great. But uh, it out, you're you're good. I'm like, okay. And then I don't know why I remember on the website seeing something like, Oh yeah, this is this is like 34 pounds. It is not. It's very heavy. Uh so it, one, it was just awkwardly placed in this cart where I'm not the tallest person, and I'm also not, not the um not the swollest person. <laughs> um and I've just been signed out of Google Docs. That's cool. Um <clears throat> I'm being hacked, who knows? Um, but yeah, so I, I had to get it out of there and I was like, Oh, and then also, so one of the complaints about my car is that, um, or that people commonly will say, well, you should just get the more practical like X3 because it's got much more space in the back. I was like, Oh, this, I'm sure like, this looks like it actually might be a tight fit. So it would not fit unless like I removed like all the like back, um, like privacy shield things. And had to take some of like my like reusable shopping bags and put them in the regular thing. Like it it barely fit. I almost had a situation where I thought like, oh no, I'm gonna have to like return this or it's not gonna it's not gonna fit. So yeah, very, very similar situation. And it was kind of um yeah, it was it was a little bit tenuous there, but
1: well and and it was it was so sad when I initially thought it wouldn't fit because I had been looking for this thing for a couple of weeks and you know, even though had pretty good information that it was going to be in stock, like still didn't know for sure. And, you know, woke up extra early on a Monday morning, showed up, it was there. Great. I've got it. And then, yeah, I was like, oh, my God, am I going to have to like. Call the lady friend and like have <laughs> her drive down here like I, I didn't really even know what plan B was, but but fortunately, fortunately, it worked out. Yeah. um so anyway so you know get get this thing home um actually set it up like the next day because that was kind of the the first warm day with it and um so i got a handful of uh, initial impressions i can hit you with here so the first is in addition to the the weight it's just it's a little bigger than you expect it to be like it's it's you know the box is big, and it it pretty much takes up the entire box. It's like, a it's a snowman. <laughs> yes. Um. The other really funny thing that I noticed right off of the bat was so it, it you know it's it's Wi-Fi enabled. You can hook it into <laughs> uh, the Amazon lady and into the the LG app, which which we'll get to more in a second, and all that good stuff, all the smart home stuff, which is you know neat, I guess. Um, but then it also comes with a remote and the remote looks like it's from about 1998. So I think there's just a funny contrast between kind of the, uh, fancy way to operate it either through an app or even through your voice. (laughs) And you've got this really old school remote. So I kind of appreciated that. Um, lots more to the setup process than I was anticipating. I mean, there's really only like one thing you have to do, which is set up the little, um, I guess they they call it like the window panel or something basically like where where you vent this thing out through a window and that that process was um much much more involved than I thought it was going to be and included having to put like well I guess you didn't have to but I, I did you put like multiple different types of foam on the outside of this things so that you get like as good of a seal as possible, which like I immediately screwed up on, of course. (laughs) Um, and ended up, I, I was also a little rushed, so that probably didn't help, but I I think I ended up doing a very, very poor job (laughs) with the little window panel thing. So I'm, I'm sure this thing is not operating as, as efficiently as it could, um, and it's you know I I, kinda, I guess I sort of have a little bit of a, a different setup issue than you where you know I think your your space is probably like kind of at the upper edges of the size space that it, it can realistically cool. You know, with us, we're just looking for it to cool our our bedroom, which is which is quite small. But so it, it actually you know it cools the room really fast, like within. 10 minutes of this thing running you can tell a pretty big difference but going back to the first point that i made with this thing being kind of massive it it doesn't really fit in our room like i mean i guess for for reference the instruction manual tells you that it's supposed to be at least eight inches away from any wall and in our room i can barely manage that so it's not 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 the the most ideal setup, but again, because we're only asking it to cool um, a small space, it it does seem to to work pretty well.
0: Well, whose whose side of the bed's mobility does it impede?
1: It impedes mine, which is fair because Madeline is on the other side of the bed, so the the lady friend's side of the bed's already kind of impeded. So got it. Um, and then I guess the last thing, which Um, I alluded to earlier, which is the fact that this supports the um, LG Think, not ThinQ, as I originally thought um, (laughs) when I first installed that app over the summer with our washer and dryer, the LG Think app. And I sent you a screenshot uh, with some commentary, something to the effect of, I never knew that I would be so heavily ingrained into the LG ecosystem. Because now when you look at my LG Think app, we have a washer, a dryer, a refrigerator, and now a portable air conditioner. Did that but that wasn't um that wasn't really necessarily in the cards when I thought of um setting up a, a smart home here at the house.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well I mean life's good. So mm-hmm. what are you gonna do? It's not, but actually, I mean, especially can can because because life's bad. Can you sue LG for false advertising? I think you can. Probably. Uh, so a couple of things on the app. One, uh, well, actually, sorry, a, a quick bit of follow up. Uh, apparently, the only thing that you are missing, and this was in the app setup instructions. I did not know that there was such a thing called a kimchi refrigerator. Apparently, people uh, in Korea have dedicated refrigerator, uh, refrigerators. Solely for storing kimchi at the right temperature. Pretty cool. Also, the big knock that I will have against this app is it's impossible to use it without giving it constant location access. Don't like that one bit. Not that they're doing something nefarious for it, but it's just that that's just lazy app design. So I did give it permission and then immediately revoked it. And then I forget, Like, but then it just prompts you for location services just all the time which is which is super annoying so i assume you just resigned yourself to it or just like whatever
1: yeah i noticed that when i set up the washer and dryer and was likewise not super happy about it but basically just looked the other way as far as i can tell the only thing it really uses location information for is to yeah to show you the weather which again
0: there's better ways to find that bud
1: well, yeah, I'm I'm using a washer, a dryer, a refrigerator, and a portable air conditioner, which I'll grant you that the, the last appliance temperature is something to consider, but it has its own internal thermostat, so it doesn't need the... Well,
0: and, and the obvious difference would be that those are all heavy home appliances, so therefore context isn't really changing much. Like, it could just collect your zip code once, and then it doesn't require real-time location, which is just lazy app design. And the only other thing that I sent you in this screenshot is that it, this screen looks exactly like an Android screen. That is not an iOS modal dialogue. So it does feel like there's probably some very lazy cross-platform coding going on. So that's, that's another thing where I think maybe it's, it's, it's much less likely to be nefarious and more just lazy app design.
1: Yeah. I, I've never really used this app for anything. I mean, With the refrigerator, the fact that that thing is connected to our Wi-Fi network, (laughs) whatever. Um, I'm probably actually going to kind of feel the same way about this air conditioner. I don't really ever see myself using the app or really even any of the, the voice control stuff. I mean, the only thing that has turned out to be really convenient is getting push notifications uh, for the washer and dryer especially because they're they're in a you know a closet at one end of the house so if i'm where i am now which is the opposite side of the house and i'm doing laundry it's actually kind of nice to get to get push notifications but that you know that doesn't even involve ever opening the app itself so uh, sure yeah not a not a big not a big user um of the app and don't i mean you know me carlos mr mr smart home and all but i don't really uh, don't really get the, title it is yeah um i don't really get the appeal of having either our refrigerator or portable air conditioner uh, connected to to our network
0: so this i actually do so for this, I've actually used it a fair number of times where I'm at my desk and maybe I'm on a call where where it's more sensitive to noise and I just want to temporarily turn it off, but I don't want to get up from my desk. I, I do find that it's fairly useful for that type of thing. Um, and then just because you can kind of like, in, I, would, I would push back on that and just in the same way that you would have like a Nest thermostat linked to it. Like You're able to tell it to set the temperature of, of like your room or your apartment to a certain... So that kind of makes sense. So I, I do get it. I think the implementation is kind of half-baked. One thing that I have not figured out how to do with the voice assistant, and again, I'm not huge into controlling home stuff with my voice other than just saying, hey, turn the, the living room lights off or on or whatever, is that um, I can't figure out how to get it to engage only the fan because it's actually a very quiet and pleasant sounding fan that removes a lot of air even if you're not actually actively cooling anything Uh, but i can't figure out how to get the um echo integration to not invoke the um like the air conditioning compressor thing so let me know if you figure that out
1: yeah i haven't used um the amazon lady integration yet but I think what's often the case with with those third-party uh, skills, I guess is what they call them, is <laughs> they generally are very, very limited in what they can do. So I actually wouldn't—I wouldn't be shocked if that's not even something you could do.
0: Yeah, I wonder if you can get, like, an internet-connected bread maker that you could use to um, make half-baked Alexa skills.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to workshop that one a little bit.
0: Yeah, might have worked out better if I said it faster, but you know who knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so that's enough of that. So again, we'll see how it goes. Again, like I mean, I think I'm I I was secretly hoping for some like magic physics box where like just disp- i my my room or my apartment would be uh, like an igloo immediately was with, with no noise, and that's just not physically possible, but. You know, for what it is right now, it's it's working out. And again, just in terms of like shared, like living space courtesy, I I try to not also, I'll also run it all the time just because, I mean, again, it is kind of a persistent noise. So we'll see.
1: Well, I think, I mean, you know, I, this probably isn't really worth the hassle it would take to actually set this up. But I mean, if you really want to see what it's capable of, if you were just to put it in your in your bedroom, you'd get a much better idea of what it can what it can really do in terms of cooling down a single room but i could see how with your entire space you're not you're not really getting the full effect
0: yeah and the other thing again this is more of just like a personal thing where especially with kind of just the being home all day type of thing like because my living space my apartment has so many windows i don't like having the windows like the blinds closed all day you, but that like doing so would also like allow much less heat and like kind of like the whole greenhouse thing from the sun right but also like that just feels that makes um just being home like 24 hours a day uh like to feel much worse on like a um emotional health level
1: no i it, it's i i totally get that and like I actually maybe even take it like to an even further extreme where I don't even like to have blinds or shades closed in a room during the day that like I'm not really even in. So like part of like the morning routine is always opening the the blinds in our bedroom like even though I'm then not in there again like basically for the rest of the day, but I just I just like having those open and it bothers oh, yeah, me. Nat- if,
0: natural light's great.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Except for that pesky sun and and his uh Uh, partner in crime, heat.
1: Mm.
0: All right, moving on. Baseball. So there's been like it. It feels like the story keeps changing every. Wow, who is Carl? Sorry, I don't know. I just accidentally clicked on a thing that says Carl ravich and it just brought up a picture of a really cute pug. And now I don't even want to click through because I just want this. I'm fine. I'm I'm fine with how this worked out. So actually, I don't care about the baseball anymore. But you can you can (laughs) just go stare at this dog.
1: Yeah, it it seems it seems like the owners either have and have just haven't publicly announced or are are about to make a counteroffer to the players' union that seems like it's going to get them closer. Um, but it, it it to your point, like it has been sort of a story that has been changing changing every day, but um you know, it's, it's continuing a trend where more and more sports seem like they're, they're coming back, which obviously they need to do so safely. And assuming that they can, you know, I'll be very, very happy to, uh, have sports back.
0: So can you clarify something for me? Cause I actually, I, I've, I've in earnest given this a look a couple of times. So when it, when like, so that Carl Ravitch tweet thing,
1: uh, Ravitch, just, just in case you, you get the angry emails.
0: Um, I don't think that Nathaniel Rakich is complaining too much. Well, that's, that's that's my frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So, a 75% prorated salary, 76 seasons, or 70, no, whoops, 76 game season. Does that mean, but again, does that mean they're getting paid 70, is that a pay raise or a paid drop? Like, are so, they? Yeah. Because so that, that could be interpreted either way.
1: Here, so, here, here's the issue with baseball. They... Basically, right when the pandemic started, and they knew that they would have to delay the start of the regular season, I think this happened like right at the the very end of March. The players' union and the league came to an agreement that player salaries would be prorated based on the number of games played. So I, I'm oversimplifying, but basically the idea is, you know, we normally have a 162 game season. If we only end up playing 81, players are going to get Half of their salary, but there that was mean,
0: a like you'd play fewer games because of some like external force, or meaning like Buster Posey's injured and he's not on the roster for that game.
1: No, that this this was specific to like the having to adjust the season for the pandemic. So like you know, based on the the ability for the league to start, how many oh, games because, they could fit in. Got
0: it. Because the season wouldn't have started until late March, early April anyway. So that was already on, like that was on the table as being a possibility to affect the season. Got it.
1: Yeah. But there in the, there, was a clause in that agreement which said, oh, you know, it, even if so even if we come up with this prorated season, if we're not able to play with fans in the stadiums, then we're going to need to further evaluate how player salaries are going to work. Basically, basically the, the owners have been saying, listen, this prorated salary concept really only works if the league is bringing in the same amount of revenue that it normally does. And obviously with no fans in the, in the stands, that's, that's not going to, not going to be the case. So the owners have been pushing for the players to make an additional concession with their salaries where instead of salaries just being simply prorated, there would be some additional haircut made on top of that to account for the fact that the league is bringing in less revenue. And so that's, that's where the 75% of prorated salaries um, concept comes in. And I I think this is the first time that, um, the first time that the, um, that the owners have agreed to stick at all with kind of any sort of prorated salary concept. Um, so it's, it seems like it's, it's progress. Got it.
0: Um, we're doing okay on time. Uh, do you want to briefly talk about power outages? And then we might have a little bit of Corona talk and that might dovetail into uh future of work. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so I'm I'm going to have you take the charge this week. Okay, what's this about?
1: So, as you'll recall, Carlos, we had some some power outages last fall. Don't know if you recall that or not.
0: Do you remember a lot of perishing or uh, a lot of perishable Trader Joe's items that perished?
1: Yes. So we had a scheduled power outage um here at the house yesterday. Um which, you know, PGE had actually sent us this letter eh, six weeks ago or so, informing us that this was going to be happening. And <laughs> the letter basically was like, Yeah, we know that you're probably going to be home during this time, considering that's where we're all supposed to be. Terribly sorry about that. So um they 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 moved forward with this work um power was cut promptly at 9 a.m which is when they they said it would start and within about three minutes i was um reminded of how poor my power outage strategy is which basically is only a handful of usb battery packs none of which is even powerful enough, I don't think, to power something like my laptop and two um, uninterruptible power supplies, one which is connected to uh, the Synology, and then the other which is connected to my cable modem and wireless router. Uh, the The UPS that's connected to the Synology seems fine, seems like it's it's working as intended the one that's connected to the cable modem and um, router basically dies within about two minutes of um, being on battery power. And it's, it's, it has a little light on it indicating when the battery is due to be changed and that's, that's not on. So I don't exactly know what the deal is. Um, So it, it basically doesn't work.
0: And real quick how old is that UPS?
1: It's not really that old. I think it's only 3 or 4 years maybe.
0: Yeah, so we, like actual like former uh chef special from maybe a year and a half ago. uh refurbups.com. Note, it's just that the lead acid batteries in those eventually do wear out. Where the UPS itself is great, but it's just the the capacity has diminished so much that once it's under load, it will shut off really quickly. So I would strongly recommend looking into that. You can probably re- uh, refurb that, like the name of the website would imply, uh, pretty inexpensively.
1: Well, so here's the thing. That UPS is dead to me anyway because <laughs> it, like many other UPS units, it turns out, ha- so it makes a beeping sound when it's on battery power. I don't say. <laughs> and there... There is no way to disable said beeping sound. Uh, the one that's connected to the Synology, which is a uh, CyberPower model, does have an ability. It actually has like a little screen on it. Whereas this one that's connected to the modem and router, which I think is like an APC brand, maybe. they So this the CyberPower one has a screen on it. And it, it, one of the options on there is to is to turn off the the beeping sound, so that's that's nice. Um, but then the other thing, so I you know I immediately start <laughs> friend of the show the wire cutter. I immediately go on their website and start looking at what they recommend for um, UPSs. And sure enough, their top pick is is a Cyber Power unit. But what I didn't realize about UPSs is, is that even like the higher end ones that are, you know, a couple hundred bucks, can can really only power something like a modem and a router for about four hours at best. Which I've never I mean, I've, you know, until living in the Bay Area the last couple of years, I've never really thought much about extended power outages. I mean, we haven't really had to think of those like since you and I were kids. Um
0: <laughs> you you mean the recall gray davis brownouts <laughs> of the of, of the enron era correct
1: mm-hmm. but yeah so anyway these things um these things don't really last all that long even if you've spent a little bit more money on them but i but i am at least going to replace the the one that's connected to the cable modem and router if for nothing else than to be able to turn that that beeping off. <laughs> um but then of course now the other rabbit hole that I'm going down with reevaluating my power outage strategy is going down the generator route. Um and I I've, I've never really wanted to even consider getting like a gas powered generator. I just the the hassle with setting that thing up, I just don't really want to get super involved with and then like having to run like an extension cable into the house. It just the, the whole the whole setup just doesn't sound great. But so it turns out that they now make like battery powered generators. So, I mean basically like enormous UPS units that um can actually do almost everything that a gas powered unit can do. You you can power even like a refrigerator, um, even a Wi-Fi connected refrigerator. And they also allow you to do neat things like recharge them via solar, which could which could be kind of neat. But then you're getting into like, you know, a, a $1,400 or so purchase at that point. So far outside of impulse buy territory. But it's going to be something that I'm going to be thinking about over the summer,
0: so real quick because I googled this because when you sent something to me when you put something in the online offline channel in Slack, um, I didn't entirely understand this. So I, I guess my my question is I don't get how this is a generator versus just like a big ass battery.
1: It, it it it's it's just a big ass battery. In fact, I, you know I'm I'm actually probably even using the wrong term. In fact, I am using the wrong term. The the wire cutter uses the correct one, which is power station. Um, I, I think of these as a battery powered generator, but, but you're right. They're not, they're not able to just kind of continuously run like a gas powered generator would. It, 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 it's just literally a massive battery. Like I think the one that the wire cutter recommends when I was looking at the specs, I think it weighs like 30 pounds. So it's, it's, it's massive. Um but so yeah so they they recommend I'll I'll put this wire cutter link in the notes. They recommend something called the um EcoFlow Delta 1300 power station and it's got you know like a um a couple of like just traditional three-prong outlets on it. It's got some USB-A ports, USB-C ports. Um has the ability to be recharged via solar panels. Um, and I, I was looking at this, the specs, it can like, it can power a refrigerator anywhere from like 10 to 20 hours, which seems, seems pretty good.
0: Okay. So one quick bit of follow-up on that, and then I'm going to kind of recap what my, my upgrades have been over the past year. But so with that, like, doesn't it... S- that the refrigerator example, which I, I get why that's an example, because it's it's a big it's it's a big appliance where people think, Oh, there's no way it could do that. But wouldn't the strategy for a refrigerator generally just be like, hey, if you don't open it, it generally will stay cool on its own if you just don't futz with it for like twelve hours on its own?
1: Well so I think the the strategy if, if I were to go down this route and then be faced with a multi day power outage would be connecting this thing to the refrigerator periodically as like a little top-up basically so connect this thing for maybe a couple of hours a day and then then i
0: I guess would you have to have multiple of these because wouldn't your point be to try to still have like functional networking and stuff
1: um no i mean you could no you you could you could run an extension cable and put this thing in some more central I mean, my house is not very big, so it, it wouldn't be hard to put this in a central location where it, it could it could connect to a, a couple of different things. And I think you, you could also set it up where like maybe you have it connected to the um refrigerator like at night and then you have it powering your network equipment during the day. And it, it allegedly can like fully recharge itself via solar panels in like four hours so you would just have like a four-hour window where you know it would have to be recharging but again this is just you know something i'm considering in the midst of you know my power being out now that it's you know now that my power is back on and i mean that power outage yesterday only lasted a couple of hours so you know once that was over i kind of stopped thinking about this thing but um but it would it would be really really nice to have something like this on hand
0: uh so quick recap of kind of my setup so this was actually a reminder this morning where cuz you you had mentioned like uh last week that like there's been infrastructure stuff going on where like i think PGE and also the county has been taking advantage of a couple things like I think they've been doing some controlled burns across Marin. so they they've been doing things to kind of get us prepared for fire season because there's that, um, impending catastrophe to couple on top of the, the existing ones. But, um, yeah, so last, last years was pretty bad. So the upgrades that I made adjusting to kind of what were the failure points for me was I used to have my Synology Mac mini and all my networking stuff kind of all hooked up to one 1350 volt hour, or I don't know what it's called, but three hundred and fifty Oh, sorry, 1350 VA cyber power thing. And because some of those are much more power intensive like, uh, devices than others, it was kind of a bummer that my network would die fairly quickly. Oh, uh, cause once it gets down to like 10 or 20%, you're allowed to hook one USB device up to the, uh, to the cyber power thing to be notified that, Hey, I'm out of battery. You should shut down yourself gracefully because like ultimately that is the point of a ups it's not for like kind of going back to your thing of like when you were researching for what is the largest one possible and what's the runtime you get it's not really that these are supposed to be backup power devices it's that they're supposed to buy you enough time to gracefully shut down sensitive equipment and avoid data loss and where like for a, a situation where you have frequent power outages that are multiple hours in nature. There's probably some other solution that's more appropriate, but yeah, so I, I revamped that setup a little bit where I got i I upgraded and got two separate cyber power. Um, and the largest capacity that they have is the 1500 VA capacity. So one of them is dedicated to the Mac mini and the Synology. And the other one is for the cable modem and the ubiquity networking equipment. And overall, the setup is, is pretty good. Um, the The networking stuff, even though like the ubiquity switch and things can be fairly power intensive, mm-hmm. that runs for about an hour and a half. And then the Mac Mini and Synology one, depending, I can usually get about 45 minutes out of it. And then I have, I think, like a 900 VA one for the iMac. And overall, like it's a decent setup. But yeah, I was reminded of that this morning when um there was an unplanned uh, PG&E outage in my area, like around six thirty, and then my whole entire apartment started beeping because I do I do leave the beeps on because I do kind of want to know. Like I, I know it'd be kind of obvious that the power is out, but I just still I I want to know whenever that's happening. But I think those those were worthwhile upgrades. And then as a kind of in the same vein of your power station wire cutter thing, I got something that's kind of a. Convenient for laptop charging, but not nearly as heavy duty as the, um, uh, what was it called? EF Delta. Um, I got the Anchor Powerhouse 200, which is 57,000 milliamp hours, which will basically recharge. Um, I think it'll recharge a MacBook Pro five times. So it's got a 30 watt USB. CPD port one traditional like two-pronged outlet to charge non-usb uh usb stuff and it also can charge by solar but i didn't invest in that just because i assumed if i'm relying on solar power stuff's worse than that so yeah that's what i did
1: yeah the so with the the Portable power stations, as they're appropriately called, the the wire cutter article, which will also be in the notes. I mean, there's a huge range of these things. Like they actually recommend one if you're just looking for something like really basic, one that's like 110 bucks and can charge a laptop a couple of times, basically. Um, and then they, you know, they they work their way up, you know, from there. And that that EcoFlow Delta thing that I was talking about, that's kind of like the the super high end of the range, I guess um, where you're going to get, you know, more battery and you're going to get more um, maximum output essentially. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess the other thing too with like having a UPS is like one of the things that you, we've been talking about here is, is networking equipment and I mean, what I, what we, you know, what we all kind of found out during the, the the outages last fall was that, I mean, all of Comcast's equipment died. So you know, even even if you did have a UPS working, <laughs> your your cable modem, which you'd have hooked up to it, like wasn't able to connect to anything. At least in so our that, area, so that
0: that I am going to dispute at least with ours. I don't know what type of like, because like that, and, and that's the thing where this was kind of a glaring, um, Oh, not oversight, but like a a problem that a lot of people realize is that, especially with AT&T in this area, um, a lot of cell sites didn't have adequate, uh, backup generator power. And that was different between carriers. Some did better than others, but with Comcast, at least in our area, I guess maybe our like nodes do where I found during most, like ours eventually died. But uh, like for at least three hours into most power outages, our Comcast, like the cable to the wall, still worked. So it's weird that maybe maybe some areas just they haven't built that out yet.
1: Well, no. So what I what I mean is that when our power went out, which you know we got notifications for, I actually like turned off our the U, the UPS that was connected to the cable modem and router. Because at the time the power went out, I didn't really need internet, and I thought, you know, I'm going to save it for when I do want internet. So I think this happened like on a Saturday, and so when I woke up that next morning, Sunday morning, I thought, well, okay, you know, I want to I want to check the news and stuff, which I had to go to Comcast for because at the time in our area, AT and T was totally dead. They they did eventually come back online, I think like later that day, and then to their credit, basically stayed the rest of the time but you know I, I powered up the UPS cable modem you know came on and I mean there was nothing it just it wouldn't you know it would it would do the thing where it was trying to boot up and connect and it just just never made a connection
0: yeah I, I think we talked about that last fall where you know you're like you're, you're right where it, it... I assume, like, because last year was weird, where like I th- I don't think I've ever experienced a power outage where it just did not come back whatsoever for like four days. And normally, like in the in the Gray Davis like brownout situations, like there were frequent, unfortunately, outages that were maybe like six hours at a time. Where sometimes you'd have time to like recharge your stuff or whatever infrastructure like a Comcast would put on like neighborhood nodes or whatever that that was um that's what that's built for and it's not meant to sustain like week long emergency outages
1: right yeah so anyway the, the the takeaway from yesterday is that i am woefully unequipped to to deal with an outage the only thing that's really meaningfully improved is that you know, bef- when the power went out during the fall, this was before we re- redid our kitchen. And so we actually had an electric stovetop, which does not work during a power outage, turns out. But we now have a gas range. So, you know, that, that will work in the event of a power outage. So,
0: can you ask a dumb question? Sure. How I always thought it was kind of like a car where like you have a spark plug, like how does it get the ignition? I thought that part was electric
1: that part is electric, so you you have to with a match oh, like, like a with... take an aim of flame or whatever exactly yep
0: ooh that's that uh, i would be too chicken to do that
1: yeah it's it's fine
0: all right we well, can make <laughs> the next power outage uh hopefully we have a vaccine by then we won't uh and you can just make some smores and just hand it out the window to me. <laughs> Uh all right. So I think we are going to kick uh the future of work. Again, that'll just be our um our white whale topic. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that's what that means, but uh do you want to brief Okay, actually I'm going to give you a dealer's choice. Do you want to talk about uh Facebook and Twitter and the president's tweets and Ben Thompson or uh how we're doing with the pandemic?
1: So I did not read Ben Thompson's article. I've heard references to it, but have not read it. So unless you want to drive that conversation, I'm not going to have a lot to add there.
0: Well, actually, in that case, then we can probably make it a, a quickie and then maybe, maybe a brief Corona talk. So I guess maybe I'll, I'll just ask, uh, what is your opinion on this? So uh, there was a big hubbub uh, when, uh, what was it? This was after, well, no, there were two. Did, what came first? and ballots being uh uh, prime targets for rampant fraud, or that tweet, or the one of um, the looting starts, the shooting starts, Steamer, which was first. It's been a bad month,
1: it's been a very bad month. I believe the mail in ballot tweet came in first,
0: yeah. So, I think that was the first one where Twitter, uh, a company that's kind of had like a morally ambiguous and very, very uh, tenuous relationship with the president. As he has um been a very positive force for the service in terms of user engagement um, has been very um, unwilling to police or that's probably not the right word right now uh, to like enforce rules related to their terms of service uh, about the content of his tweets um, and there's the ongoing argument that most of the stuff that our president talks about on that social network. Uh, it's stuff that's inflammatory, uh, hateful, and a lot of other stuff that would get um, a regular person banned from the service. Um, but but on an engagement level, and how many people reply, and and how many active users are attributable to um, the consumption of um, the, the the social posts that our president puts out, uh, he's been a net positive for Twitter. You one might say. So but for the first time uh a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, uh who even knows anymore? Mm-hmm. The uh, t- a twitter put a little um clarifier at uh indicator at the bottom of one of his tweets. Um what's the thing. Oh, they don't they don't even have it there. I was looking for the original tweet, but I can't find it. But yeah, but uh, but Trump had put a thing Okay, so there the original tweet was that was flagged was, there is no way, zero, that mail-in ballots will be anything less than substantially fraudulent. Mailboxes will be robbed, ballots will be forged, and even illegally printed out and fraudulently signed. The governor of California is sending mail-in ballots to millions of people, blah, 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 blah. So they put a little uh, exclamation mark next to it, or uh, below the tweet that says, get the facts about mail-in ballots. And this was the first time the that Twitter had ever... Um, put any type of context around uh what was an objectively false claim by anybody but in particular it's because he's he's the president so a lot of people applauded this and were were happy that this is they were actually taking some type of stand against um erroneous information and what is i guess categorically considered fake news because this is this is just inaccurate information that's meant to stoke fear um With with um, his base, so I guess my question would be: What do you think about Twitter's action? Like, do you think that's effective? Do you think that's right? And then, to a lesser degree, what do you think about Twitter continuing to keep the president on their platform?
1: So, I do think Twitter's actions here were the right thing. In fact, the only criticism I would have of them is that they they didn't happen earlier. And that we've somehow made it three and a half years into this presidency, and this is the the first time where they've they've, they've decided to take action. Uh, there were countless other examples of where they they could have done so, but better late than never, I suppose. Um, I guess the the thing the thing that I come back to in all of this, which like isn't really specific to. Ben Thompson's article, I don't think, but but is of the same kind of idea. Is so much of our, so so many of our political institutions, and just sort of social fabric, is not really designed to deal with a dishonest executive branch and a congress that basically goes along with him. Like I guess the, the, the to to bring it back to um sort of my my world in the, the in the accounting world, it's sort of like where when an, when an auditor looks for fraud, like one of the things they acknowledge they're usually never going to find is instances where you have like collusion where people who are supposed to be in a position of, of checking one another or controlling one another basically decide to get into cahoots with each other. That becomes very, very difficult to identify. And I feel like that's sort of the position we're in now where, you know, our founding fathers set up this elaborate system of checks and balances and so much of that has you know, not only impacts government, but impacts just society at large. And that in a lot of ways has just fundamentally broken down these past handful of years and everything from social media um, to cable news. I mean, nothing is really equipped to deal with this situation
0: so so that that makes sense but i guess maybe what i what i want to narrow down the argument to is kind of like the role at which so i guess the the necessary context here is that the follow up to this was that when the president was a fact it's not even a fact check because twitter did this in the most um like the most polite way humanly possible like they didn't say hey this is a lie they just put Get the facts about mail-in ballots, and they it just redirected to a Twitter moment that just had a bunch of it. Like it wasn't even to like a, a factual news source. It was just like, "Hey, here's stuff where we're going to allow other people to call out this as, as being just patently false information." But the the president then uh, signed an executive order threatening to take away protections under Section 230 of some Communications Act or whatever that allowed uh, that exempted social media companies and websites from having to be responsible for the content on their services or something like that. But I guess my question more is that, or what I, what I want to get an opinion on is how do you respond to the people who kind of suggest that this is like a free speech argument and to bring it around to like Ben Thompson, because the different, well, so there's another layer to this, which is there was the the looting, sh- uh, the shooting starts thing, which Twitter then for the second time on the president, uh, tagged that as um, a violation of their Twitter rules about glorifying violence, which it certainly did. Uh, but then they followed up with uh, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. So basically it didn't really stop the social spread of it, but it mainly if you viewed it like in the native Twitter app or web app, you got to see that little warning message. And then when that kind of stuff got shared on Facebook, uh, Mark Zuckerberg gave um, a mealy mouth or whatever the expression is uh, defense of, well, we, we are not the arbiters of truth. And we feel that is not our place to um, to fact check people like this. And we think it's in the best interest of the public discourse to uh, leave this up for, for all to see. So I guess kind of like of those two approaches, which do you think is 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 more appropriate, and or do you think both are problematic? Kind of like because Ben Thompson, I will just say, like he, I wasn't like it. Really, sounded like he wasn't playing devil's advocate. He mostly thought that hey, I know that we we hate the president now, but if we get into a spot where private companies are policing speech in this way, when it's your guy, you might not like it, and for the public interest, it is better for. The thoughts of an unhinged person to be widely accessible, so that people can see what what their government is doing. So, I guess with those two differing approaches, do you think one is more right than another?
1: I mean, I'll I'll, I'll kind of take the the out here and and, and say no. I, I I do think both have significant problems, and I I'd go back to the the point that I made before, which actually I guess sort of does tie into Ben Thompson's article where. I, under basically any other any in any other moment in history with our country you would not have thought it was a good idea for a mega corporation to be making judgment calls about what the the president of the United States should and should not be able to to post on their platform like that just would never have been an issue prior to the Trump presidency and let's hope Never becomes an issue again, so I think maybe that's what that's what Ben Thompson's getting at here, which is while maybe having these posts you know flagged or removed or whatever makes sense in this particular moment, if you make that your policy going forward, it could be the case that that same um setups it just it it's not gonna work as well in the future. So I I but I so I can see that. But but I will I'll also say that I mean, you know, excuse my French, but I mean Zuckerberg's response is is bullshit. I mean he and he I mean he's he's done this over and over again where he's built this platform which has Created all kinds of problems, and he and the company have, you know, completely looked the other way, which is, which is also not okay.
0: That's fair, and I'll I'll stop putting you on the spot by asking you all the questions, but like I I will, so I'm I'm gonna give like a, a general response, which I think I I like I think mostly squares up, but is maybe more extreme that what you're thinking, like the president no, no twitter and facebook are private companies they offer a service that they want to create community guidelines for and have a place that in general people want to visit and overall attracts like the the broadest set of users so they make the most money because allegedly these are services that are supposed to be profitable facebook much more uh, than twitter so i think overall the one who has it more right is twitter but they're not going far enough honestly the the president. And any standard American, like, you know, all those people where, quick, put a pin in it for the onion, because again, trying to have more cogent thoughts. This seems like kind of like a Pope hat thing on Twitter, where he's very good at, one, it's not the Rico, but also explaining what is and isn't like a First Amendment issue. And this is something that where it's just like a very basic thing where nobody has any First Amendment rights about what can be said on a social network or your, your, the First Amendment has nothing to do with private entities. It has the exactly all to do with the federal government restricting your speech. Nobody is guaranteed or afforded a platform, especially on a, a private service like this. And that's kind of what been kind of the weird dichotomy about what somebody is supposed to do about President Trump. On these different platforms, because even though I mean, sure, I mean, he's an idiot, and he says a lot of inflammatory things, and a lot of things that are unfair, untrue, or personal attacks. I mean, it was three weeks ago when he was accusing Joe Scarborough of murdering a congressional intern or something. I think that was a thing. That like, and that that that's not hate speech. That's just being a horrible, horrible person. But is the president like author like guaranteed a free speech platform on this type of thing? And the answer is not really. And like, I I feel like Twitter could like just, I think it needs to go further. And I think the, the looting and shooting tweet was much more specific about stating that, Hey, this, this is something that, um, glorifies violence. And I think that overall they should probably maybe expand those tools into, where if they don't want to delete the president or do something like that, and I I do like that phrase, a private company being able to delete an elected official, but like uh, if they could have a way to make it impossible to retweet something that includes hate speech would actually be something that's really, really effective. And I think that is more of what needs to happen because like you said, when when our governmental institutions were uh, designed, like so much of the, I mean, like you would never have uh, thought that, uh, are, that the president could wake up at 3 a.m., roll over, type on a touchscreen, and say a whole bunch of hateful things that would reach an audience of like 60 million people immediately. So, like, I mean, Twitter overall does have a pretty big responsibility to police that kind of thing, and I do think they have a responsibility to slow the spread of that kind of thing because we're only... He only has that audience because they enable it, and if the president wants to create a stripped down version of Twitter or some type of like Tumblr at whitehouse.gov and create an RSS feed. So all, all of the, the MAGA hat people can go follow that and they can figure out how to follow RSS feeds. I mean, that's something that they can totally do, but I don't think Twitter as a company that has had such a long history of combating, uh, cyberbullying and hate speech and white supremacy and all these other things like i do think they need to continue to take steps towards policing that type of thing and i think facebook is uh Ed zuckerberg's answer was like super chicken shit and they need to figure that out because facebook kind of does whatever they want to cozy up to whatever they think will minimize initial blowback and overall increase share price because facebook doesn't really have a moral compass or any type of decision other than whatever they think will fix earnings for the next two quarters. Like that that's that's pretty much it. And Twitter is in a different spot where I think they can be more uh bold with it because they don't make as much money and they don't really have like their advertising model is still not that effective. So they can kind of figure out how to approach this. Because like Donald Trump's not going to be the last person like this. And like especially in light of all like the Black Lives Matter stuff, which we won't get into this week, but like there's just so much stuff where our discourse is happening online and the ability to control how broadly hateful messages spread is something that is kind of a responsibility of an ethical corporation and I know that sometimes is an oxymoron but i don't know i think i think it was a good start by twitter and of the two approaches twitter is by far the closest and but currently does not go far enough
1: agreed that's all that's all well said and i guess the the last thing i would say which is i guess basically just a summarized version of what i've been saying is i i don't think twitter i don't think facebook i don't really think any corporation is is equipped to check the president of the united states that's not really their primary function or really any function of theirs and there are many other institutional failures namely the u.s senate that has put companies like twitter and facebook in this position in the in in the first place which is not at all to excuse or to excuse some of the lack of action on twitter and facebook's part but there's there's more to the story i guess than just what Companies like Twitter and Facebook are doing is, is my point.
0: No, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, like our, our attention collectively as a nation and as a world has not, it would did not break because of Twitter. It's been, yeah, and the people, the people that are sitting at home, are, are like buying my pillows and watching Tucker Carlson. Like, there's a whole lot of else about society that broke down to make that perfect storm happen. Right. Well. We will table COVID or Corona talk for next week, and um, let's let's end on a positive note. Unless you have anything else,
1: I that that's all I got.
0: All right, let's uh, chef special it up.
1: Let's do it. So I'm gonna send you a news article, which will be in the notes, which is going to talk about what I'm going to talk about here, which is um, Overcast got an update um, about a month ago, which. Enabled uh, streaming over cellular or uh, Wi-Fi. Um, it's not. It's not quite like the dream yet. It's not. It's still not quite like a fully synced um, Apple Watch app or standalone Apple Watch app. Where so like with Overcast, you can like between an iPhone and an and an iPad or even on the Mac through their web interface you know, all of your shows stay perfectly in sync, including your exact progress amongst any individual episode. And that's not quite the case with the Apple Watch still. As far as I can tell, it does a pretty good job of syncing progress, like from your phone. So if you're like partway through an episode on your phone and then you go to your Apple Watch, that seems to, to get picked up, but then that doesn't really get synced back to the phone reliably. But But that aside, you know, you... You now don't have to go through the the painful process of downloading episodes on your uh, iPhone and then transferring them to your Apple Watch, which is a super slow and unreliable process. You can instead now download or even just stream episodes directly on the Apple Watch. And I've been kind of trying... um, when when walking Branson around the neighborhood lately, sometimes just, you know, like not bringing my phone with me and just, you know, just have my AirPods and my Apple Watch and a podcast. And that's, you know, that's it. And this works really well. You know, there's no there's no planning ahead of time anymore. Again, you don't have to, like, wait the five or ten minutes it takes to to transfer an episode to your Apple Watch. You can just, you know, immediately start streaming an episode even if you haven't downloaded it to your watch and you know because the airpods just automatically sync to or automatically pair rather to your apple watch you're you're all set up there too so it's again it's not it's not perfect still but it's um it's a lot better than it used to be
0: so i know you just said that it kind of like there's some synchronization issues but so when you get home like let's say you've listened to like Twenty-four minutes of um, upgrade. Does your does the actual like phone app at least inherit that play status, or do you have to manually seek to that point?
1: You have to manually seek to that point. At least from what I've seen, I maybe maybe the intention is for that progress to sync over, and it just doesn't reliably work. Um, but that's been my experience in a handful of times I've used it, where I, I've usually had to manually sync to um or seek to the the place on my phone
0: well you know that's still pretty cool because that's the one thing about podcasts where it's kind of felt like there's never been the equivalent of just like uh like a walkman or some type of radio you can take with you and the fact that you can now just listen to almost any audio program reliably on your wrist computer off of cellular like that's 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 pretty gosh darn cool
1: well the so the the bummer and we 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 talked about this when um this this first came out in fact i i tried using it for a while which is you know the the native apple podcast app on the phone and on the watch that works exactly how you want it to it it, you know both devices stay perfectly in sync all the time you can you know stream episodes on the apple watch and even if you stream them, your progress is immediately saved back to your phone. Like it all works basically flawlessly, but you're stuck using the Apple Podcast app, which is is just crummy. No things. thanks. Yeah. Um. And and as far as I've seen, there's been no third party podcast player that's really been able to replicate that. And this Overcast update seems like it's kind of the, the the best thing going
0: yeah and kudos to marco where it feel like it's kind of a bummer where it feels like apple has redesigned how or like re rewritten from scratch how apple watch and watch kit or watch os apps are supposed to work and even though marco knows it's not a very highly used feature i like i mean it, it, it's commendable that he's actually gone to the well that many times and, and thought it worth it to to try and try again
1: yeah he's i know he shared the the stats around the number of his users that use the apple watch in any way with overcast and i think there's a little bit of a chicken and egg problem where like because it's been so bad in the past not not because of anything marco's doing but just because of how the apple watch is that you know it's not a very good experience for users to to want to use and if it was better maybe more people would use it but um i think yeah that's a good call out that he he does sort of stick with it in a way that well I mean like we were just saying there's really no other third party apps that have really even tried this so um, so kudos to him for at least giving it a shot
0: All right, so I have two things and neither of these I think are really worthy of a chef special pick but they're two things I did want to note so I will send you links to each of these so you'll remember that there was an online offline conversation about this because um, product one came wrapped in newspaper (laughs) I thought that was kind of weird. And I found out that it wasn't necessarily newspaper. Like, I don't know if they're trying to be cutesy with it, but so it's it's a it's a 14-inch square bamboo or something, or a case, I don't know what this is, um, cutting board. And I bought it for a very specific purpose. But yeah, it came wrapped in newspaper, but the newspaper was printed with other products from the same company. So I don't know if it was just like, kind of like oddly not, like it was like maybe too creative by half for packaging, but anyway, so basically the two things I'm going to talk about are the, I finally gave in because I, I had had an issue where we, just step back a second. We had talked a lot about our, uh, why things or with things, and then which became Nokia, which then became Motorola, which then became, uh, with things again, those, uh, scales. And I had had the, uh, the with things, WS 60, which was, um, I think it was like four or five years old at this point. And it's having an issue in the past year where it would just, uh, every other day switch to being in stones. Do you know what stones are? No. Um, so stone is a way of measuring weight in great Britain and a stone is 14 pounds.
1: Crazy Brits
0: Uh uh-huh so it would tell me that i weighed 11 stone one pound or whatever and i was
1: like this is really
0: fucking annoying um because the problem is like uh, on the back of the the scale is there's two buttons and they're very bad buttons because they're not actually buttons so you just have to like oddly like just like just bat at the back of the scale to try to get it into the mode that you can switch units because you can't adjust it in the app for some reason and I would always accidentally hit the button that was for Bluetooth pairing, and then I just had to wait for the the scale to give up trying to pair with a non-existent Bluetooth device after 45 seconds, and then I would just give up and eat a bag of potato chips. So I was like, you know what, fine. We had talked about it on the show a couple of times, and I was like, I kind of want a new scale, but the one that because the one that I ended up getting, which is the second item that um I put in, in Slack. Is, is, this is the one that you have, right? the one that you kind of had the controversy where they took away a, a feature that was supposed to measure something something something
1: yeah, so I yeah i have I have this um exact scale, and the the thing that's not to go down a tangent here, but the thing that I'm immediately noticing is that the the pulse wave velocity, which is the mm-hmm. feature that they had to remove. Is apparently back because it's like the number one bullet point here on this Amazon page. But I so,
0: so is it though? So, the, so that's the thing where I so I got so I got the withings slash Nokia body cardio. Um, I, I left it in my Amazon cart for a while and I eventually finally got it where it was on sale for 119. And that was finally the, the point where I'm like fine because because the other one was just failing so frequently and it also had a weird battery drain issue where I would just pop like four AAAs in. And just like six weeks later, it would just be dead. And that was just always very frustrating and just kind of broke the habit of of wanting to weigh yourself when that's already not an activity most people want to do all the time. So yeah, so I waited it for it to go on sale and I got it, I got it in white and yeah, I, I haven't found that it, so it's very similar to the one that I already have. It's, it seems slightly better built and I do really like the, um, the, the Withings uh, Health Mate companion app—it's like actually very well designed. But on the scale, other than the fact that it tells me what percentage of me is water, which I don't know how it's figuring that out or if that's accurate to any degree—I've never seen anything that explains. Because like, I was—I was always looking for that feature that you like said was controversial, and it never pops up on screen. All I ever see is weight, BMI, the weather, and um, water percentage.
1: So I haven't I haven't followed the story super closely because to be honest it's not really a feature that I was like actively using. So when they took it away, you know whatever I wasn't that outraged by it.
0: It's like, yeah, it's like Pico removing something like some kale dish from the menu. Like, <laughs> mm, nothing of value was lost.
1: I, I want to say that I saw something where the feature was reintroduced, but only in certain regions and not not <laughs> not in the u.s but even even if that's the case this amazon product page is confusing because
0: well it literally says in the u.s correct
1: the the, the bullet point is number one best selling smart scale in the u.s and then for some reason right after that it just says pulse wave velocity
0: but again allegedly like in a couple sentences what is that allegedly supposed to tell you
1: I, I don't even remember because it's because been,
0: velocity velocity implies movement. And if you're on a scale, you're, you're stationary.
1: I, it was, I think it was something to do with the rate at which blood was flowing through your body. And there, I, I don't know.
0: Is that something that you're able to control? Like in a fitness, uh, whatever. I, I, I Lastly, know. on this product page, I like that. It says accurate by design. Do certain companies try to make not, not design accuracy. <laughs> Who even knows?
1: You, I have to say though, you you've actually taught me something through this pick. What I do? So we've been using this scale to track Madeline's weight. <laughs> and you know <laughs> you just we put
0: her on a little coffee scale.
1: Well, no, we just do the thing where you know I hop on, get my weight, and then I hold her, and then hop back on, and then you know take the difference. That's a, that's right? adorable. Well, so but so it turns out the scale has a baby mode where it will just it will do that automatically for you. I mean it, it's the, it's the same thing. You step on the scale, step off, Aww. then you hold the baby, then you step on, but then it, it 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 knows that you've done that and it it does the math for you. And it and it, cool. and it tracks it in the app. So that's kind of neat. Interesting.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, you're 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 welcome. I didn't know I did that. I do like also in the corner where it just shows baby pounds.
1: Well, that's, pretty. so I, yeah, I, I saw that because it's like one of the first things I do on Amazon is I'll look at the product images because as we well, discussed, well, and the also show, when it's, when
0: it's a knockoff product, the product images are hilarious.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, and this is not a knockoff product, but the product images are still pretty funny. And I, I noticed the baby one and I thought, Hmm, seems to be implying some type of special mood to, to, uh, weigh your baby. And sure enough, there is mm-hmm.
0: also gravity compensation. not even gonna go into it so anyway so so i finally ended up getting this and the other byproduct of this that was nice which i'm not sure how much it even matters is that this is rechargeable but Mm -hmm. you were saying i think that you you only have to recharge yours like once every year or something so
1: yeah i I think I've, i've had mine for three at least three years maybe four years at this point i think i've charged it two or three times
0: yeah, and so my problem is now that I bought this in 2020, by the time I need to recharge it, US micro USB will be like trying to, <laughs> like, uh, who even knows? Uh, anyway, so yeah, so I got this finally, and that's that's good. But the different thing is that, well, Shane, let me ask, do you have uh, yours on carpet or hardwood?
1: I use mine on, well, it's it's a rug, I guess. It's a thin rug on hardwood.
0: Yeah, so that's so that makes sense. So mine was like I I found that like I feel I find that scales aren't that reliable if you put them on carpeting. Just because it's not really able to get like a good like zero out thing. So then I was like, well, how how's a complicated way I can make this more uh, effective for me? Where I looked for what like well, can I put a piece of wood under it? Well, that's gonna look super tacky. So that's where in comes in. The row row, ruru row row, wood square end grain chef cutting board. So the product, of the the Withings thing was like thirteen inches by thirteen inches. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll just get a cutting board dedicated to put underneath my bathroom scale, so that it measures accurately on carpet. And it does. Um, and it. I don't think anybody needs to know. Like I don't think it would immediately if you walk into my bedroom, you would you think oh, do you have a cutting board under your, under your uh, bathroom scale? <laughs> and I don't think anybody would. And they would also figure out why would you have a bespoke uh, riser for your scale? And I'd be like, get out of my house. So anyway, those two things together are um, uh, a, a way for me to want to weigh myself.
1: That was not not the direction I was expecting that
0: to go. <laughs> where, w- wait, where, where was it possibly going to go? I
1: had kind of forgotten that you had that first pick. <laughs> oh, yeah, well... <laughs>
0: Because what else would you put under it? Because the other problem in my apartment is just like, I don't know, like my, I don't like, I don't have a ton of space in the bathroom where I can just leave something that's 14 inches square where it won't impede the door. Like I just don't have that much room. So that's where it kind of has to go in the bedroom somewhere. So I just keep it under the bed. And that's the one cool part about the cutting board is that it's got little handles in it. So it's easy to slide it out. So overall works.